Hello, and welcome back to The Near Futurist, the podcast I've been running for almost five years now. We cover both the business and consumer worlds, and as always, I'll welcome feedback and input on the LinkedIn page. Just search for Guy Clapperton and Near Futurist, and you won't have any trouble finding it. Before I introduce this month's guest, though, here's a word from my sponsor. Well, not so much a sponsor as me pitching my media training operation. clients want to sound as confident, clear, and fluent in media interviews as the people in this podcast? Of course you do. My team and I can help. Drop my assistant, Lindsay, that's lindsay at clapperton.co.uk, a note, and she'll set us a time for an initial chat. Or go to the website at clapperton.co.uk, two Ps, to find out more. Now, back to the podcast. But you're not here from the self-publicity. What you need to hear from is the guest. Now, waste management is an industrial problem. We all know that, really, and we're consuming far too much stuff. But when the economy is tight, we tend to take the easy way out. Disposing of waste is an industry, and according to my guest, one way to handle that industry is through software. His company is ISB Global, and it aims to drive the circular economy and works towards reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. It does this by providing what it believes is the most advanced waste management and recycling software globally. It integrates, automates and simplifies to drive greater operational efficiency, productivity and profitability for organizations that operate in the waste, recycling, clean energy and environmental sector, creating clean, efficient operations that contribute positively to the environment and circular economy is what the company aims to do. The chief executive who is with me, his name is Chris Williams. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much, Guy. Nice to be here. Great stuff. Well, let's start with the basics. There's more recycling and less frequent rubbish collection than there ever has been during my lifetime. Maybe that's just a Croydon thing. But what are the existing problems with waste at the moment? It feels as if we've taken several steps forward since I was a child. Yeah, look, Guy, you know, quite frankly, there is, you mentioned it before, there is just too much of it. And we're most of us are just not aware of the consequences of, of the volume of waste uh, we're creating. And I think there's a couple of you know reasons for that. Firstly, there's really not enough recycling. There's not enough repurposing. There's not a reuse of the, of the materials we're throwing away. And and what the impact of that is 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 too much going to landfill. And and landfill has devastating effects on the environment. And if we think about the current crisis in terms of climate change. Most people are not aware that landfill contributes some 11% of total methane gas emissions. And methane gas is an incredibly bad greenhouse gas, some 80% more warming than normal uh, carbon dioxide. So so waste going into landfill is, is a very big problem. The other issues with creating too much waste and sending it to landfill is, of course, we are burying billions of dollars, billions of pounds of valuable and what is very finite material. Now, when you think about it, it's almost nonsensical that we're we're burying this material because we are going to run out. And I think the final thing to note on the issues of too much waste, the issues of landfilling, is that we're seeing a lot of material in landfill now leaking poisons into our water supplies into, into our oceans, and a lot of the landfills, and you've seen very recently, is, uh, are starting to be exposed. In fact, a, a recent article uh, on the television here 
with coastal erosion around the north and south coast is starting to expose a lot of a lot of landfills and a lot of that material is now flowing back into the ocean and and, and poisoning our beaches and our and our seas so a lot of problems with waste at the moment guy you're saying uh, our oceans. This, of course, goes all the way around uh, the world for all the 11 listeners. Um, I'm just wondering, are you talking about the UK? Are, are you based in the UK, indeed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a problem globally. You know, we have created you know, the excess waste. Our propensity to bury the stuff in the hole in the ground has created hundreds of thousands of landfills, hundreds of thousands of dumps around the world. We don't know where those are. And, and those, as I say, those those dumps are starting to, to leach poisons. They're starting to um, erode back into our water supplies and our oceans. So, yeah, pretty bad news uh, when it comes to uh, the excessive waste we've produced. Water can be purified. Things can be cleaned. I mean, that sounds like a lot of use of energy to me. I'm almost answering my own question in my head as I ask it. But where could this actually lead if, it, if it's not halted or at least better managed? A lot of the new landfills, of course, are, are engineered. And what I mean by that is they, they have, um, have filtration units, they have uh, linings uh, and so forth. And, and that really you know, protects some of the stuff we're throwing away. But it goes back to the point we are, we are you know, creating too much of it. And, in fact, the drive has to be uh, to, to create less waste, right, less consumerism uh, and, and less waste produced. It's almost as if having a new mobile phone every two years was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but uh, getting back to the more sort of at scale uh, issues, um, we've been aware of this for some time. Your contribution is to put some sort of software solution forward. Tell us about that. How does that help? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, know, you mentioned it uh, earlier on in the in the piece, and you know what is been a real driver for our organization for our company is uh, as you mentioned the circular economy and i think what we've all done uh, for the last many years has been living very much a linear model or a linear economy and what that really means is we mine the material we use the product and and we throw it away right and we we just know as we've said before you know that is self it's not sustaining first we haven't got enough materials we've got finite source of materials and, and what we're throwing away is creating an incredible amount of greenhouse gases and also poisoning our water supplies and our, and our planet. So, you know, WR1 really, or our product waste and recycling one, is there to track, I would say, the molecule around that circular economy. And that means that we are, right from the collection or the production of waste, we are tracking it such that ultimately it will not end up in a landfill. So we want to send materials to recycling plant to be remanufactured, to be reproduced. And ideally, we want to educate uh, you and me, of course, Guy, to, you mentioned, to, to use things a little bit longer, you know, to fix things where, where we break down. Again, back to this point of we are creating too much of it. Let's start by, in fact, creating less of it. What we're quite proud of in terms of our software is that, we are driving a lot of operational efficiencies for our customers. You know, we have a single integrated software solution rather than lots and lots of point solutions that a lot of the listeners will be familiar with. And that means that if our customers are profitable, then they can continue or or invest in recycling facilities and reprocessing facilities. So as they collect the material, Instead of that material ending up in their landfills, indeed, it goes into their reprocessing plants. And these plants cost millions and millions of dollars, millions of pounds, of course, to, to, um, uh, to, to build. Uh, so the more profitable, the more operational efficient 
we can make our customers, the more they'll continue to invest. So pretty proud of what we've done uh, over the years and you know, a very, very important vision for us as an organisation to, to effectively send less to landfill. This sounds like a very major, uh, big project. I'd be interested to know whether or not you can name them, uh, what the type of customers you actually have, and uh, the extent to which, uh, you know, how much of the supply chain you cover overall, because the thing about a circular economy is that that covers an awful lot of ground. In terms of, you know, a couple of projects that we're busy with in at the moment, the guy in, in North America, one is a company called Rumkey of Ohio, and the other is, is Waste Pro USA. And I, those are large uh, waste hauliers, um, you know, running running large vehicle fleets, um, and, and dealing with you know millions of municipal or residential and, and you know commercial customers, and WR1 really you know covers the uh, and all the waste streams that are that you'll see in the sector, both uh, as I say municipal waste, commercial waste, you know hazardous waste, food waste, you know, and the list goes on. So we we're not too worried about the material we're collecting, what is important for us is we ensure that if there's a ton of plastic collected, that ton of plastics gets back to a, a food, a drinks bottling plant to make plastic bottles again and, and round this round the supply chain that material goes. So not so worried about the type of material, but we're looking to, to track that molecule, track that material around that circular model uh, guy. Once again, I'm interrupting the main item to bring you my new section where I have a look at a gadget I've been using lately. I decided to upgrade my note-taking a while ago and started off with a LiveScribe pen and a notebook, which was great. You need a special notebook and the pen and its app. Transfer all of the notes over to the device of your choice, phone, tablet, whatever. This is a good if costly way of doing things, but I wanted to try and use less paper. So a friend gave me a rocket book. Thank you, Jackie. This is basically a wipe clean notebook, as long as you use their pens, I've ruined a couple of pages that way, with an app that allows you to scan your notes into the cloud again, so you don't risk losing them, and the fact that you're wiping it clean saves on paper consumption. I was happy with this for quite some time. My current solution is the Remarkable 2. This is basically a stripped-down tablet and has an appealing paper-like feel. You can also read and make notes on PDFs on it. It's not cheap, but it looks slick, and I use it to keep a note of schedules of events I'm hosting. People do comment on it, which is nice. Its drawback is that it starts every new document as a new notebook rather than a document, which in turn means you can't import directly into Evernote or OneNote because to those, a new document is a document, not a notebook, and a notebook is a collection of documents. They're workarounds, but it's just a bit of a mismatch. Also, if I'd been buying a year later, I would probably have had a look at Amazon's Kindle Scribe, as it's slightly cheaper, and as the name suggests, you can read Kindle books on it as well. I haven't played with that as yet, but it sounds as if it addresses a major gap in the remarkable, at least as far as what I was looking for, is concerned. Also, I haven't yet played with those paper-like covers you can get for a standard tablet, which would of course mean being able to use something I've already bought. Anyway, that's this month's product set. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, so what else has to happen to make this uh, uh, whole system become sustainable? How can, say, individuals and companies continue to make a difference, even before their products really, uh, reach uh, the recycling facilities or reach the bin, if you like? 
That's right. And again, it's another good point, and I think it, it comes back to the circular economy. And some listeners may have come across the what's called the waste hierarchy. And the waste hierarchy was really where we start at the top, and in fact, let's let's produce less, and it ends at the bottom, hopefully, with with a lot less going into landfill. So, you know, I think I think what a lot of manufacturers need to be tasked with is is actually producing their goods. Uh, manufacturing the goods with materials that can be recycled. And, and that's really half the battle. And I think we've probably seen more recently on the news over the last couple of weeks is they're now worried about the millions or billions of solar panels that will be now end of life. We know they've got a 25-year 20, lifespan. And, and in fact, after that 25 years, which is you know obviously starting to, to come about over the next five, five or 10 years, what, what are we going to do with them? And likewise, um, there's been some headlines for the likes of windmill blades. You know, the, co- the composites the, that go into a windmill blade uh, are very hard to recycle. And, and in fact, you know, windmills tend to sit in very hard to reach places. And, and the thought of taking down a windmill blade and shipping it some 200 miles, uh, you know, to be cut up and reprocessed again is a very, very expensive task. And these things often get buried in the ground. So I think oh, you make a very good the point here that the compounds we, we are producing the materials we're producing, we need to be thinking of how we can recycle those materials at manufacture. And I think that's the first step in this process. Isn't there also an issue, you mentioned uh, the idea of these uh, windmill blades blades being um, shipped 200 miles or something. (laughs) I'm just thinking aloud here, that shipping is going to take an awful lot of power, it's going to take an awful lot of uh, gasoline, it's going to take an awful lot of electricity. it's It's a resource intensive thing. Is, does your software or are there systems out there to calculate, you know, to offset all these things so that you don't end up with the best possible intentions uh, mm-hmm. using up more resources on trying to rescue a particular resource than you're rescuing in the first place? It's it's quite true that there is there is some some business benefits, a business case that needs to be established. And, I, you know, we're not sitting here saying um, these renewable energy sources are bad, of course. You know, it's more about understanding and, and calculating the total you know carbon consumption not only of, uh, in in what is what is saved of, of course by new using more renewable energy, energy sources but but what goes into the manufacture and the construction of these uh, windmills with with concrete towers and steel steel towers concrete bases and, and fiberglass blades etc certainly you know our software is there to help calculate uh, the costs of that disposal including all those elements and often this is what leads to these materials ending up in landfill because all those costs contributed uh, as you mentioned it's the disassembly it's the it's it's the transport it's the freight and and finding someone that actually knows how to recycle those those complex composites is often cost prohibitive and and that that's why we're we we're seeing such uh, a continued growth in landfill and where do you see this uh, market, this environment, uh, the, whatever you, however you want to describe it, going over the next five years or so? Are we going to improve? There's some really positive things, you know, and, and I think we need to always, you know, keep a positive view in terms of how the market is responding and, and dealing with, you know, the requirements of waste. I think there's, there's also a couple of downsides. Uh, you know, we, we clearly need legislation to help you know manage and, and dictate how organizations deal with waste materials you know the, the UK has been uh, a leading light in terms of the environmental act of 2021 in terms of lo- lots of legislation in there 
around how to deal with waste materials. You might have come across the Conference of Parties. They call them COPs or COPs. They run one of the very few global parties uh, or conferences that that run every year. And I think COP28 is coming up uh, this year in, in Dubai. But the key directive of the Conference of Parties is to think back to that a Paris Agreement where we're trying to limit global warming to no more than 1.5 uh, degrees. And what we're seeing finally out of those conference of parties is some recognition of poor waste management practices, which has been largely overlooked over the over the last couple of years, guys. So that, that's really good from my perspective. And also, not to be outdone, we hear some talk of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which is being passed by Joe Biden in the U.S., last year. And that is also putting some $400 billion towards sustainability and more um, carbon-friendly uh, act- activity. So so all, all good news. And I think the other thing, as I mentioned, we need more investment in recycling and reprocessing plants. You know, we know this takes time and it has to start now. You know, we create waste Unfortunately, there is a lot of st- a lot of waste that we that is still going to landfill. What is the alternative? Let's recycle it, and and you know let's recycle our plastics, our paper, our metals, uh, etc. And I think the final thing to note, just in terms of the next few years, we we've seen some interesting technology around waste to energy, and and again, it's been in the headlines more recently perhaps related to the fire-up of a lot of these coal-fired power stations as a result of the energy crisis. Uh, They've worked out, in fact, that they can put waste into these uh, coal-fired power stations and and get quite quite a lot of high output uh, as well. So instead of finally putting stuff into the ground, the waste to energy is is not a bad alternative. Now, there are disadvantages of that, of course, because the output of of burning waste there's still some some toxic toxic uh, um, materials, to- toxic gases, and 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 we are burning a valuable commodity, of course. So we we're seeing, as I say, we're seeing a good move around legislation. We're also seeing a lot of in-country uh, environmental agencies uh, taking their stand and enforcing things like fly tipping, enforcing things like making producers more responsible for the products they're producing, more education programs providing you and I with better facilities at our house households for bins for segregation of waste and so forth so some you know some positives there guy uh, now and and uh, you know c- coming up in the future okay finally where can people find out more about yourself and ISB global you know we're all really passionate about the sector you know around the industry Ab- absolutely we're We've got a, a great product, a great bit of software to help manage that circular economy, to manage those supply chains. So please, you know, come to our website, isbglobal.com. Uh, have a look at our thought leadership on our blogs. We've got lots of posts on, on LinkedIn. And also we have a, a software showcase site as well, which gives a, a great view in terms of uh, all, all the functions and uh, um, and activities of our, of our software that's there and can be viewed and, uh, and experienced. Chris Williams, Chief Executive of ISB Global, thank you very much for being my guest. Very good. Thank you very much, Guy. And of course, thank you for listening. This has been The Near Futurist, a Clapperton Media production, and I've been Guy Clapperton. See you in a month.